This is At Home with ADTS, a show that presents topics of interest to older adults, individuals with disabilities, and their caregivers. At Home highlights the services and programs offered by Aging, Disability, and Transit Services of Rockingham County. Welcome to this edition of At Home with ADTS, a program about supports and services offered by Aging, Disability, and Transit Services of Rockingham County. I'm Ashley Cooper, the Director of Community Outreach and Development at ADTS. ADTS has been in operation in Rockingham County since 1973. Our goal is to assist and link senior adults, people with disabilities, and their families with information, opportunities, and services that promote and enhance the quality of life, as well as working to meet the local transportation needs of Rockingham County residents. We would like to give a special thank you to the United Way of Rockingham County for their long-time and generous support of our Meals on Wheels program. United Way of Rockingham County brings together local people to help raise local dollars to meet local needs. We thank everyone who's given a contribution over the years. Today's episode, we're going to discuss transitioning to long-term care facilities. When is the right time to transition? What caregivers should look for during tours? Costs that are associated? and how to create a successful transition. Today, we have Crystal Matthews, who's the sales manager for Brookdale Senior Living and Retail. Hi, Crystal. Hey, Ashley. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. Absolutely. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Brookdale and your role there? Sure. Brookdale Senior Living has been um, in the healthcare industry for over 40 years. Um, we, they have a broadband um, of continual health care. We have assisted living facilities, independent living, um, memory care communities, home health, therapy, outpatient. Um, and we have over 675 senior living communities over 41 states. Um, so it's a large company. We have the opportunity to serve 60,000 plus residents. Um, and we have over 35,000 associates. Um, throughout the, the country. Um, and I'm proud to say that in 2020, Brookdale Senior Living was voted number one for customer satisfaction with assisted living and memory care communities um, and was given the J.D. Power and Associates Award. So we're very uh, proud of that. And you should be. I've always been very impressed with your community. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Absolutely. To tell, tell you a little bit about Brookdale Riesel, um, we were previously Carolina House of Riesel. Um, we have been serving Rockingham County for um, 23 years. We just had our anniversary, so that's been since 1998. Um, we have we offer traditional assisted living as well as an Alzheimer's and dementia care community. Um, we have right here in our community um, in Rockingham County, we have between all of our associates that work here, there's over 200 years experience put together just in this community alone. Um, and I'm proud to also tell you that we recently won the Reader's Choice Award um, for Best Retirement Living in Rockingham County. Um, so just to briefly kind of tell you a little bit about me and what um, I do here, um, I have been with Brookdale for almost eight years. I started my career um, at Brookdale Eden, um, which was um, in 2013. I was there for about a year, and then I transferred here um, to Brookdale Reef when I've been here ever since. 
uh, typically I'm the first person that families come into contact with when they start their search for senior living. Um, and I help educate them on the available services for themselves or their loved ones um, and help them navigate that journey. I think that's what's always impressed me is that you don't just educate people about your services, but community services and supports as well. So that's why I've always enjoyed being a partner with you guys. So um, now the, the term long-term care facility, you, you mentioned a couple of words like um, Alzheimer's and dementia community, assisted living. Can you kind of define what that means? Because it's kind of a broad term. Absolutely. Um, Long-term care facilities in general, they are senior living communities that provide 24-hour care for aging or disabled individuals that are unable to to really live safely by themselves. Um, So you've got several different types. Assisted living communities are um, for for people to create a safe environment um, where they can still enjoy an independent lifestyle but but receive the care that they actually need. Um, and some of those daily tasks they may need help with, maybe bathing or um, medication management, maybe it's just housekeeping or, or dining. Um, uh, an Alzheimer's and dementia care community is kind of a specialized community for people that is living with Alzheimer's or some other type um, or other form of dementia. Um, the communities typically do feature a secure environment um, where the associates can closely monitor the, the health of the residents. Um, and there's also in assisted living and memory care, there's also programs, um, activities and events that are that are helped to um, help to design to increase the quality of life. Um, but staff are typically in a memory care community, they're typically more specifically trained to, to help individuals that have memory loss. Um, and then there's one other type, um, a skilled nursing facility. Um, nursing homes are really um, the highest level of care that is provided, and they typically have licensed health care um, for individuals that need that higher level of medical attention. So um, they're going to have your registered nurses, your um, uh, LPNs, your certified nursing assistants um, that are going to be able to provide 24-hour medical care. Um, all of these do have 24-hour care, but that is the, the main difference. They're going to have the medical care that someone needs. Right. And my understanding also with skilled nursing facilities, that's typically the later end of life, um, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, because they need more care. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas assisted living is you know, just making that transition, um, as you said, from home to maybe just need a little bit more support in a, a, in a, a supported environment. Uh, so when should somebody give you a call? Uh, my advice is always if someone starts noticing changes in their loved one's quality of life, honestly, it's a, it's so important to be proactive and start gathering that information at that time. Um, don't wait. Um, it, it's never a better time to start that conversation. Mm-hmm. And why do you recommend people not waiting? Because um, is there a lot involved in trying to set somebody up into a community like yours? It can be. There is a process. Um, it, it's a journey um, from beginning to, to, through, you know, trying to, to move someone in. But, you know, you don't want to wait until it's a medical emergency or you're in a crisis situation. You want to be prepared. Um, you want to pre-plan and take the time to actually um, have the information available so you have options. Um, there's a lot of pre-planning that should go into this, um, but always just try to avoid that crisis and not be so overwhelmed. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's always good, always better to have a plan than not. Mm-hmm. So let me also ask you this. So when someone calls you, is there certain information they need to have about their loved one when they speak with you? Um, yes. Um, you know, be able to, if someone calls me, be able to share their story. You know, what's going on? What kind of changes have you have you seen? Um, share information on what is getting harder. I always say that this is not something someone wakes up and says, oh, I'm going shopping for senior living today. Um, you know, think about what information will be helpful for us to know to help you, provide you with the support you actually need. Um, what's going, you know, what's happening in their life at this time. And also, um, information for a financial conversation. Um, maybe, you know, need to know their monthly income. Are they going to sell their house? You know, their veteran status. A lot of people do not realize that, um, if, if you, if their loved one was a veteran or their, um, or the spouse of a veteran, there are benefits available for that. Um, so, you know, it's good to know. That's always one of my questions about the veteran status. Um, when someone not starts needing care, they could be eligible for extra income from the, the VA. Um, you know, do they have long-term care insurance, savings? You know, how have they financially planned for this time in their life? Um, I think that's super important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's always a tough conversation, especially with adult children, to have with their parents about their finances. But, you know, it's better to start having this conversation, as we said earlier, and when there's not a crisis and you're having to get through and try to find that information. So talk me through what a tour is like. So um, tours can be, we call them visits at Birdale. So they can actually be scheduled or unscheduled. You can just walk up to our community front door, ring the bell, and say, I'd like to, to come in and visit. Um, you know, they come into the community. They usually meet with me if, if I'm here or our administrator. Um, but I will tell you that there is no designated time that someone has to come in for a visit. Our staff here are all trained to be able to meet with a family, share the most important information with them, um, and you know, talk with them. We would want to, you know, discuss themselves or their loved one and find out more about their current situation. And then we'll actually walk through the community. Um, so we'll walk around to the common areas. We, you know, we'll go and meet associates. Um, we'll go and meet some of the residents and take a look at the apartments. Um, and then the visit will end with another um, small follow-up conversation on how to continue the journey of senior living and how I'm going to be able to be there to support them through that. Do you recommend that the person who may be living in that community come with them on their um, first tour or first visit? It depends on their situation and what level of care um, they are going to be looking for. Um, Typically, because some of those conversations are um, more private with the ones that's actually looking for their loved one, so typically it is first, you know, the adult child or the sibling or husband or spouse. Um, I will encourage them to bring them back for a second visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and are there certain questions you think caregivers should be asking as they're touring your community or communities in general? Absolutely. What services are offered? Uh, because there are, you know, four or five different levels of care. You want to know what services are available. Um, you want a better understanding of the cost. Um, the higher the level of care, the more it is going to cost. So you want to make sure that you really understand, you know, what the costs are going to be associated with that. 
Um, maybe you want to look at the dining program um, and take a look at the sample menu um, to kind of see what that experience looks like. Um, find out, the, uh, you know, what kind of medical care that they provide. Um, our particular, our community in particular does offer an RN on staff, but there are assisted living communities that do not. So maybe you want to kind of find out what the clinical capabilities are of that community so you can compare all of them. Um, maybe what kind of programs are offered for the uh, residents to do on a daily basis. Um, a, a good question that a lot of people ask me is what is the staff res, uh, ratio, staff to resident ratio? Um, how, how often is my loved one going to be cared for? You know, um, so that's a really good question that is a common question. Um, maybe you want the opportunity to, to, can you speak with a family member at that community? Ask that. Um, Visitation hours and policies, especially now with COVID because things look a little bit different. Um, maybe you want to know what their policies are on visitation and how often they can come or what, what kind of rules and regulations are around that. Um, and maybe what are the policies on coming in and, and going out from the community if your loved one moves in? You know, can you check them out to, to take them out overnight? Those kinds of questions are there. And I will tell you, there are lots of checklists online. That you can um, look and kind of, you know, you want to gear your questions that um, a caregiver, what they feel is important to them. You want to ask those questions when you go to, to each community. Mm -hmm. Those are really great questions to ask and things to think through. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you really have to kind of think through what their day will also be like and how they'll mm -hmm. be engaged. So, absolutely great questions. And what a great resource to check online. I didn't even think mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. find everything on Google nowadays. Yeah. Um, so what are some red flags? <clears throat> we talked about what you should look for, but what are some red flags that you think that you might want to give a second look or follow up with something with another question? So, you know, we personally here have a checklist for loved ones, and you probably can find one online too, but, you know, we use that frequently with family members. Um, during, you know, our initial conversation, you want to be able to, you know, look at maybe there's someone that is having consistent weight loss. Um, maybe there are your, your loved ones having repeated medication errors or there's expired medications um, in the cabinet. Um, has the EMS been called frequently and, and how often has your loved one been in the hospital? Frequent calls. You know, so you realize something is going on if someone is having frequent calls. Maybe they're too, too confused to call for help. Um, maybe you go in and they're in their pajamas all day. You know, those are some definitely, or they're sexually withdrawn. Those definitely are some, some warning signs. And, you know, that might be some reason for you to maybe, you know, check more often on them. Maybe call their doctor to let them know you've noticed some changes. So, um, there are more. That's just a list of some of the more common ones that I think are the most important um, for you to start looking at, at options at that point. Sure, absolutely. I just recently read something about um, being aware of changing in diagnosis or adding new diagnosis mm -hmm. when somebody uh, starts the facility um, or community. So I thought that was a really good point as well. But your red flags are definite. People are coming in and out of the ER if you're seeing... Um, Falls, absolutely. I think the big one is, you know, are they still able to engage with you? You know, they came in, they were fine, and now they're not. So, you know, there's definitely some questions to be asked. So, um, and 
to remind the caregivers that they have the power to remove their loved one if they don't feel comfortable, mm-hmm. if they don't feel like their loved one's getting the proper care. So um, that there are options. You just have to kind of go back out there and check again. Um, now, we talked about why you shouldn't wait. Um, and I'm going to come back to that a little bit. Is another reason why people shouldn't wait is, is it common to find a wait list for certain communities? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, with my experience in senior living, wait lists have been very common. Um, if you, you know, if a caregiver or a family member finds a community that they feel is going to be a good fit, I would go ahead and encourage, you know, start that conversation with the community about a wait list and what that looks like. Um, it's important to understand that with some senior living communities, if there is a high demand for that community, you know, maybe you want to go ahead and be put on that wait list as a good next step. You know, you've got your foot in the door. Um, and just because someone is on a wait list in a community doesn't mean, oh, they're going to call me and I have to take that opening. That's not how that works. Um, but you're being proactive. Um, and it gives you the opportunity to be ready in case something changes quickly. Sure. And do you recommend that people can all wait and listen, just kind of sit there or should they check back in every couple of months to see how things are progressing um, while they're on that waiting list? I think the community should be checking back in um, every so often. Um, so that's what we do with our community. We will check back in, keep them, you know, keep you informed on what's going on here, even if you're not ready. Um, you know, we want to be a partner and help you through this journey. So if you, your loved one is still at home, we can continue to provide you with that support that you need at that time. So. Sure. Absolutely. That's a really good point. Um, so we talked also about cost. You know, I used before when I first got into the aging field and I was looking around at skilled nursing facilities and continuing care retirement communities, I was really a little surprised by the sticker shock. And then someone explained to me everything that somebody gets. And if you were to think about that in your own home, you know, just because you're leaving your home doesn't mean that there still isn't room and board. (laughs) So to say, you made that when you live in your own home, as well as care that um, occurs. So there are some different, you mentioned veteran benefits. That's also um, a great resource or tool. Um, Can you kind of talk about what Medicare does and how that can provide, or if that does provide support, financial support for people living in communities? Absolutely. And I'm actually glad that you brought that up. There are so many misconceptions when it comes to the cost of long-term care and the differences associated with the level of care that someone may need. But Medicare does not pay for the cost of living for long-term care facilities. Medicare is going to pay for your hospital care, your doctor services, um, and medical supplies while you're actually living in a long-term care facility. Um, You know, there's also Medicaid. So Medicaid financial assistance is different um, throughout the different levels of care also. Um, It does assist in paying for long-term care for some in-home care services, assisted living, memory care, and skilled nursing. But it is so important to understand that there are different qualifications and your loved one may or may not qualify. Um, You know, they do look at the finances. They do look at medically what's going on. so it's based upon the monthly income and assets. So 
to better understand, you know, your loved one's eligibility, I would encourage you to reach out to your local Department of Social Services and talk with a social worker. Um, those are going to be the experts and will be able to let you know exactly if they qualify and what benefits are available for them. Um, you know, but not all long-term care facilities do accept Medicaid. So there are some... Um, long-term care facilities that are all private pay. So that's important to know when you're starting that conversation with the community to ask, you know, mm -hmm. do you accept Medicaid? Are you all private pay? Um, and that'll kind of help you outline your plan, your financial planning as well. Um, long-term care insurance, that's a great, great option um, if you have the opportunity to purchase that before the, the time is needed. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great investment to help pay for some of the costs of assisted li or, or senior living. Um, someone that has a long-term care policy would need to actually review the policy and see what, you know, understand what they pay, um, what the qualifications are as well. Um, typically, there is an elimination period on long-term care policies. They're, they could be 30 days, 60 days, or 90 days, which means that you would have to private pay um, for that elimination period until the long-term care policy starts paying. So, um, and with that, there, of course, are out-of-pocket costs. Um, so, you know, medications, you know, they will be covered under health care insurance just like you were living at home. Um, incontinence products. Some communities include that in the pricing, but some do not. So that might be an extra out-of-pocket cost. Um, personal care and hygiene items, that's the same. You know, it may be provided at the community. It may not. Um, you know, and then speaking about cost and trying to plan for the, the finance part of it, you know, you might want to consider talking to an elder law attorney and they can kind of get you a roadmap to, to where you need to be your, um, and they can kind of outline that plan for you. That's an excellent suggestion. Excellent suggestion. Um, so we've talked about a visit, the cost that might be associated. So let's talk about how you can actually create a successful transition. What are some tips and tricks that you recommend? So everyone's senior living journey is different. The transition is going to depend on, you know, their current situation and what their needs are. You know, you have to look at do they need assisted living, memory care, and or maybe even a skilled nursing facility. It's going to depend on what your little one um, needs at that time. So my advice, again, is going to be start the conversation early before the need arises. You know, allow them to be a part, um, involved in a part of this decision. Listen to their wishes, their plans, um, and their concerns. Um, collaborate with the team at the community. If you have chosen a place that you would like your loved one to go, you know, talk to the team. Help them come up with a game plan to help that transition be successful. You know, maybe you want to schedule a time for your loved one to come and visit the community and meet the associates and some of the other residents um, and ask how their journey was. You know, those are some good tips to kind of help the transition um, of your loved one into a community. Sure, absolutely. Do you recommend once they actually move in to have reminders of home in their room, um, things that they can um, do? And, you know, do you recommend it? To kind of set it up like a mini home or absolutely. absolutely you know depending on um 
where they spend their most time in their home. Maybe want to bring furniture or the things that would remind them of that room. Um, or let them help pick out some things. Maybe they're, they've got a favorite chair or a favorite picture or, you know, some of the things that they enjoy doing. Help them. Let, allow them just to be involved in this decision. Um, yes, we absolutely agree that. And in my experience, I have learned that when people say, well, I just want to stay home. It's not the building of the home. It is the things that remind them of home, the things inside. So absolutely, I agree with that. And I'm assuming you you should just expect that there's going to be some negative comments from the person who's residing or making that transition. Um, Can you give us any insight on how to handle that? Yes, I can. Um, just try not to take those comments personal. I mean, you have to think your loved one is going to experience lots of emotions during this time. Um, this is such a big change in their life, um, especially if they're considering moving out of their home into a senior living community for the first time. Um, show them compassion, empathy, um, acknowledge their, their feelings and talk through them together. Um, that's one of the things I always tell my caregivers, just don't, I know it's hard, but don't take it personal. Um, it, it's just their reaction to, to having to make this huge decision in their life. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about how to transition your loved one into the facility, but how should a caregiver transition themselves out, maybe out of some of those responsibilities and into a different type of role? Um, maybe talk with others to kind of see how they've experienced similar situations. Um, attend caregiver support groups is a great way to connect with others that maybe are in the same journey that you're in, or maybe they've already went through that. Um, have conversations with current residents and families. Definitely lean on others for help. Allow the caregivers at the community to take on that role, you know, um, Remember, so just because your loved one transitions to a senior living community, it doesn't mean that you're not still caring for them. You're just making sure that they have the exact care that they need. Um, right. And we're here, to, and you know, the caregivers of the community are there to help you with that transition because we know it's not easy on, on the families either. No, I've, my experience is that there's a lot of guilt involved, um, and they sometimes overcompensate by being there all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I was, when I'm supporting caregivers, I just remind them that, you know, there was a reason why we placed, <laughs> why we wanted to transition. And it's for both of y'all to kind of have a break and have better support. So um, I'm sure you see that quite often as well, where caregivers kind of reside. <laughs> they place them and then they reside there. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. And I just see the, um, the caregivers just burn out really even quicker. Uh, whenever they're, whenever they go through that, so I think I think it's a great idea to find other people who've, who've been through it. Support groups are great. Um, we have a lot of support groups in our uh, in Rockingham County uh, that we can always link people to as well. So, um, well, thank you so much. Do you have like one little piece of advice that you give caregivers um, as they're making this journey? Absolutely. Um, start early before crisis. I can't. Um, tell you how important that is you know reach out to gain a better understanding of options and before before that emergency situation um, arises allow yourself to prepare for the future and not be overwhelmed during the journey Um, and remember once you allow someone to start being a caregiver for your loved one you can go back 
and assume the role that you were in before that. You can go back to that being a child, um, that sibling, maybe that husband or wife. Um, you know, allow someone else to make the challenges of aging for your loved one to be easier. Mm, excellent. That's an excellent piece of advice. Thank you. And how can someone reach you, Crystal? So um, you can reach me directly um, at 336-932-0406. You can um, always reach out to me by email, and that's cmatthews, the number two, at brookdale.com. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. All the information and insight that you've shared today. I can't thank you enough. Thank you, Ashley. I appreciate you allowing me to join you. Absolutely. Anytime. You're welcome back anytime. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for watching At Home with ADTS. We hope you found the information informational and beneficial to your journey. For more information about our programs and services that are offered through Aging Disability and Transit Services, you can visit our website at adtsrc.org or give us a call at 349-2343. We thank you again for joining us today. Remember, the AETS is here to help you and your family age with dignity and independence in your own home and community. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to At Home with ADTS. For over 45 years, Aging, Disability, and Transit Services of Rockingham County has focused on enhancing quality of life for individuals by empowering them to achieve optimum health and well-being, independence, and participation in community. To learn more about community-based services, resources, or how to help, visit ADTSRC.org or call 336-349-2343.